0: And maybe some complimentary crabs. Oh, oh free crabs! Free crabs! Oh oh, oh. oh hands! Oh hands! <laughs> what are you doing with the hands?
1: <laughs> we started recording all of that. What the fuck? That was a fucking funny
2: couple of uh, minutes, wasn't it? I tell you what, we started
1: oh, like jokes, and we didn't mention we didn't
2: mention genocide or invading Poland once. What the fuck is wrong with us? I don't really,
1: Fuck me. I, I don't think really. people. I've just tuned in and just listening to all of that unfold. We're just getting ourselves built up for a very, very exciting show, which means only one more thing. It is a brand new episode of the RIP podcast. So hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Uh, We hope you've had a very, very, very good week. This is episode number 17 now, I think. Is that right, Barnaby? My calculations?
2: Yes, it is. 17 17 indeed.
1: Amazing. Well, again, we hope you've had a very, very good week. As I say, this week on the show, we're going to be looking at brand new releases from the Dropkick Murphys, Weezer, Magnetar.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: we're going to be looking at all those albums. And uh, this week on Symphony's Destruction comes from a little band called Pantera with their uh, their album called The Great Southern Trendkill, which uh, turned 25 years of age this
3: week. Fuck yeah.
1: But uh, before we get to all of the shit on the show this week, I suppose we should start off, as we always start off, by asking each other how our weeks have been. So Barnaby, how has your week been, buddy, since we last spoke?
2: Pretty Pretty damn good, I'm not going to lie. Been back at work, uh, setting up for the Brit Awards 2021, uh, getting everything ready to go, and yeah, basically back in full swing for now. It's been fucking great.
1: You've been working Jack Whitehall's shaft.
2: Yeah, fucking uh, going back to his room for some cheeky jackfruit burgers. Oh,
0: wow, we lovely. Love
1: you. We all know how you love a bit of jackfruit or jack off fruit, as I like to say. Cool. And what about you, Christoph? Have you had a good week, buddy?
0: I mean, my week's been relatively shit, if I'm honest, but today has been fucking magnificent. Yeah. It's okay. just been hilarious from start to finish. Yeah. Nice. Decent.
1: Yeah. What about you? I've had a good week. It's been all right. I've been off this week. There's been no. Uh, No uh, obligatory work that I've needed to do, so I've kind of had a nice chill-out week. I've been going on a lot of bike rides. I've been uh, reading a few books. It's been good. It's been a very cultured but exciting kind of physical week for me, you know. Physical in the sense of exercise, not like, you know, anything like... Let's
3: get physical, physical. Physical. Not
1: like that. Yeah, exactly. A bit less spandex. Yeah, so it's been all right, man. It's not been a bad week. Now that we've got that out of the way and we've got all the bullshit pleasantries out of the way, shall we crack on with a bit of news? Shall we do that? Yeah!
2: Uh, Fuck yeah. yeah. I'm
1: liking the energy in this show so far. It's very, very overwhelming. I think I might need to have a uh, little sip of my drink just to uh, calm myself down. I I I think I
2: should do the same.
1: Uh. (sighs) All right. We're all back in the zone. It's all calm. It's all chilled out now. Indeed. So, the news this week. Dino Cazares from Fear Factory made Dave Mustaine a sandwich.
2: I did not know that. (laughs) Random thing to to make uh, Dave Mustaine, but uh, I guess he likes his uh, meatball marionas quite done well. Yeah, he loves a bit of meatballs he does, old Dave.
1: No, so uh, in a recent article from Metal Sucks, so a very young Dino Cazares... Uh, of obviously famed Fear Factory once made a sandwich for Megadeth's Dave Mustaine and then proceeded to sit down with him for some career advice. The incident took place in around 1984 or 1985 while Dino was working at Togo's, a California fast food sandwich chain that still exists apparently. So to quote, Dave Mustaine walked in. Uh, I was working at night. He came in, walked in, so I had more time to talk to him Because I wasn't working that busy Uh, rush hour lunchtime, so I had more time to talk to him. Mm. He says talk to him quite a lot. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Uh,
1: he came in and I was like, "Oh my fucking god, Dave Mustaine!" I was freaked out. I think I had just left. I think he had just left Metallica, and I think there was. It was just before 1985. uh, "Killing is my business," and I want to say about 85. Not sure what year that record came in. Uh, But it was just before that came it came out and I started talking to him and gave him free food and free beer. He was very appreciative and he actually sat in the place and ate the sandwich. So I got like maybe I should ask him questions. Here I am an 18 year old. I was like I need some advice. How do I start a band? What to do? And he actually gave me a lot of advice, believe it or not. He taught me how to network. He told me how to go to shows and try to talk to other musicians, and try to network. And also told me about this thing called the music connection, where bands used to put in their ads, say they're looking for a band, and stuff like that. So he turned me onto that, and then turned onto because he was selling weed at the time. <laughs> turned <laughs> Turned him onto my sister. My sister used to buy weed from him, so we kind of had a little thing going on. There's so many holes in that story. Like, you know what I mean? He's like, he's just left Metallica. And yeah. he's out kidding his, my business. But yet he's still selling weed to Dino Casares and his sister who work in a sandwich shop. How fucking random is this story?
2: Oh, <laughs> um, as Dave Mustaine's The Stranger Things might have happened, I guess. So I'm not entirely surprised. Yeah. How strange. What a strange story. Yeah. I'm not surprised the first bit of advice Dave Mustaine offered was, don't fucking join Metallica. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> don't, join, don't join Metallica and buy my weed is basically the advice that he gave to Dino Cazares at the time. I mean, Dave... certainly, if, if you was to ask Dave Mustaine this, he would probably turn around and said, who the fuck's Dino Cazares?
2: It <laughs> <laughs> was this band called Fear Factory. No one really knows.
1: Yeah, strange. I mean, what do you reckon uh, the sandwich he actually served old, uh, old Dave Mustaine up, do you reckon it would have been nice? What do you reckon he would have had in there? Uh...
0: I reckon Dave Mustaine seems like the kind of dude who's like, I want a turkey club, you know? A turkey, turkey club. bacon and mayonnaise. Like, yeah. why would you want that?
1: Because it fills you up and it doesn't give you so many calories. And he was already concerned about calories back then, I suppose. You know, he just got booted out of the biggest heavy metal band in the world. And he needed sex appeal. He needed songs. So maybe that might have been the uh, the, the the mythology behind Megadeth, was that he needs to look sexy and he needs to come out with songs that are just as good as Metallica. And It's got to credit, be made.
0: Like, what's it's that? Gotta be made, it's got to be made entirely of fucking crusts, because how the hell else am I going to keep my hair this curly? <laughs>
2: yeah. are, you, yeah. are you about to say, Stephen, that he wrote some fucking bangers? Because he did, to be fair.
1: Well, you know, Megadeth, they're pretty big, aren't they? I mean, uh, P- oh,
2: Peace Cells is one of my fucking favorite Thrash albums of all time. So I feel like, yeah, it worked out for him. Okay.
1: Yeah. I like a bit of Megadeth every now and again. I like. Yeah, same. Um, I liked uh, the Endgame. That was a really good fucking album.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, that uh, was a good one. Yeah.
1: I think Old oh, Dave's got a new. I mean, I, I see it every now and again, sort of floating around in the headlines that Megadeth are presumably on the cusp of releasing some new music. But as to when, when that will fabricate. Fabricate. We shall, uh, you know, we shall see. But, um yeah, what a weird little story. Old Dino Casares saying he gave Dave Mustaine a sandwich.
2: Yeah. I reckon if Dave Mustaine were to walk into Subway today, I had a feeling he'd be sort of like Italian BMT kind of person. You know, just sort of like middle of the road.
1: I don't even think he'd go that far, really, to be honest, mate. I think he would just go for the cookies and then get the fuck out of there. He's not really yeah. a man that sticks around for... You know, what do you want on your sub, Dave?
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> Barnaby, you got anything else in the news, buddy?
2: Yes, I've got three stories. I'm gonna keep them on a positive whim here, uh, because this is a, this has been quite a fun episode. Not gonna talk about Ted Nugent this week, but I am gonna talk about another redneck um <laughs> science denying asshole. Um, how do you think uh, being at Kid Rock's bar could get any shittier than it already would be?
0: Do uh, they don't <laughs> play Bow Witter Bamba bang a dang diggy diggy every ten minutes. Uh, yeah.
2: close but not quite um i shall explain right now okay uh so someone got arrested at i'm gonna try and say this with a straight face so the police were called to kid rock's big ass honky tonk rock and roll steakhouse in nashville tennessee is that its
0: name yes oh, name. oh my to god i wanna go <laughs> can we please have please a fucking trip go. there that is like the best name ever big
2: ass <laughs> honky tonk rock and roll steakhouse in nashville tennessee <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> so police were called there on Saturday, May the 1st, after a man removed his colostomy bag and started swinging it around in the fucking establishment. Oh, that's <laughs> and someone, fun tech. And fucking, like, some people got splattered with this guy's shit, including one police officer, which is obviously, presumably, how he got arrested, because police officers accept no shit. No pun intended. <laughs> I don't know what to the fucking... Me. I don't know what else to say about this, but... Yeah, it's just funny as hell. I mean, this place has already had a little bit of a dodgy reputation anyways, because they um, refused to close in the middle of the pandemic, despite orders from the city's mayor, John Cooper, to shut down bars and restaurants to slow the spread of COVID, obviously.
1: Yeah.
2: And I was like, this uh, is this is Kid Rock we're talking about. So, like, yeah, that's how you make um, Kid Rock's establishments uh, even shitty than they already are. Not, still not as quite as shit as his music, though.
1: I'll tell you what, right? Like, <clears throat> I guarantee that had we, like, I mean that sounds like the most like that sounds like Disneyland to me personally going to yeah. like a, a kid rock restaurant and there's a man who is very very drunk slinging his colostomy bag around does that not sound like the most fun night out in the world I mean
0: that's going to be me when we eventually go there yeah
1: Exactly. You know,
0: like could you imagine like a song like American Badass comes on you? Like, do you know what man? This dude inspired fucking Metallica. This dude inspired Leonard fucking Skinner. Like I'd get up and piss in a cup and swing it around if I didn't have a colostomy bag. Like Kid Rock is a musical fucking visionary. Kid no, Rock, I a mean, visionary in music. I never thought I'd hear that in the same sentence. Fuck yeah, me sideways, man. <laughs> He's the Whoa. king of country music. He's the fucking best rapper in the world. He inspired Metallica with his chonky guitar riffs. Like, Kid yeah, Rock. Yeah, his <laughs> chonky guitar riffs. The world would implode if Kid Rock and fucking Fred Durst did a fucking tune together. Like, the world yeah. is not ready for that, Jenny. Oh, you can
2: imagine the amount of fucking cringe that would be in that. <laughs> I mean, I want it to happen just to hear the absolute fucking biblicalness of it, but oh my God, I'm not sure the world's ready
0: for that.
1: Fucking Tommy Lee on drums.
0: Yeah, man. I like, have Travis Barker, Travis Barker does everything. Like, he'd just be like, yeah, I'll do it, sure.
2: Yeah, it was like <laughs> that. I mean, he <laughs> would, he'd on Escape the Fate's last record, for fuck's sake, was, um, on Not My Problem. So like, yeah, he would do anything for money.
1: Yeah, but that is interesting. I mean, the fact that had it have been like, I don't know, a frankies and bennies which is the uk equivalent of like a chain of italian restaurants that you know a lot of families go to when a man started doing that it would be a funny story but the fact that it happens in a barbecue restaurant owned by kid rock kind of doesn't come at any surprise really you know what i mean it's sort of like if it was if it was like i say in a frankies and bennies or chiquitos or like a uh, popular chain of restaurants in this country like that's fucking mad that's like front page on the sun newspaper but yeah in america eh, that just seems like a normal night in a kid rock themed uh or based restaurant you know
2: yeah i was gonna read the name one more time for our listeners because i don't think they might have gotten their heads around it big ass honky tonk rock and roll steakhouse
0: I love what, that hey, it's almost like it starts with big ass, it's not even like oh yeah, I'm just describing the size of no, this is the big ass honky tonk <laughs>
2: I wonder what this one in Michigan is called, because I swear like Kid Rock being from Michigan in uh, Detroit he's got to have one there as well maybe, I wouldn't be surprised
1: he's, got, like, he's kind of building an empire
2: <laughs> you know yeah. but, uh... the, the, the empire of used uh, condoms on Pamela Anderson yeah,
1: fuck me how oh, mad! America's mad. We gotta get over there, man. I would love to go there,
0: just for yeah. the sheer
1: you know, fucking craziness of it all. But um,
0: we could uh, record an episode in Kid Rock's restaurant.
1: Could you imagine that? He'd you
0: would fucking love it. You're not allowed to record in here. We're, you know we're only allowed to serve
1: you cocktails and barbecue-based products. I don't give a fuck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know we could be out yeah, there yeah, but if probably, you had that action in he'd probably be like shit you stood up to me I fucking respect that shit <laughs> don't you make me
1: grab my colostomy bag and smack you round right the fucking cheek cause I'll yeah. do it bitch now go get me some fucking butt light that's how the <laughs> normal response would <laughs> be in a kid based <laughs> restaurant they would basically take that as like, uh, that will be like giving them a tip you know oh yeah it's not talking about your dick I'm just saying like that's them t- taking advice from somebody who's lived a lot of uh, through a lot of bullshit yeah got anything else moving on from the uh the kid rock paraphernalia
2: barnaby um i've got two stories i'm gonna cover quite quickly um anybody have found a shadows fall
1: yeah i like
2: a bit of shadows fall old
1: school the, kind of metalcore uh metalcore band they yeah, talk yeah
2: the good the good shit they just don't make it like they used to anymore um so um they've obviously been inactive for a fair amount of time i think the last album was 2011 if i remember correctly But they finally managed to put a um, reunion show together. So the Mm. minute, they haven't scheduled anything in properly yet, but they're looking at doing a uh, reunion show for the end of 2021 at the Palladium in Worcester, uh, Massachusetts, which is, they're an East Coast band, so I'm guessing that's around where they're from. I'd be fucking stoked if I was able to go to that. I, I absolutely fucking love that old school metalcore vibe. I think it's time that that genre makes a comeback. So, yeah, I think it's good news that they coming back to do that hopefully in my day they might decide to make some m- new music as well
1: so is this just it's just a one-off show it's not like they're like doing a full-blown like we're back we're going to record new music kind of thing it's just like a now
2: show. it's a just a one reunion show but you know sometimes these bands decide oh hey it's good to be back together again let's make something more of it
3: yeah
1: oh a well, fair play man i mean yeah i remember being uh, quite a fan of <coughs> of shadows Fall back in the day oh what album was it i think it was called uh Threads of life i think it was it was like a it was a really good album from what I recall and uh yeah it was kind of like they were a band that seemed to be lumped in with the the, the whole metalcore movement including kill switch when the kill switch were blowing the fuck up and yeah people kind of found uh shadows for via kill switch and all that's how i discovered them anyway and um yeah that's 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 cool i'm uh i'm hoping that that signifies not only the band Being back for live shows, but also hopefully new material. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, I mean, if Shadows Fall can do it, hopefully fucking Chimera will do it as well. Please, fucking Chimera, reunite and record new music for fuck's sake. Oh, let's
1: hope so, because I think Chimera did also do like a reunion show, but unfortunately, never, nothing ever kind of.
2: Oh, this was yeah, Yeah. this was ages ago, back in twenty seventeen. They had like all the original lineup, bar the drummer. I think they got Austin Diamond instead. I heard it was fucking insane. Yeah,
1: well. We can only hope, Barnaby, that maybe one day we might get some new Chimera as well.
2: Yeah, but, well, I yeah. think it's a good idea for symphonies would be doing in The Impossibility of Reason or Resurrection. Might be a little thing for uh next episode or two. Mm-mm, maybe.
1: Yeah, that's if people want to hear it. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll start asking you. What the fuck do you people want to start hearing on symphonies? Message us. Let us know.
2: Yeah. Or do you want uh, Slated and Celebrated back? We um, haven't completely been that already. So if you want it back... Now's the time to let us know. Exactly. Cool.
1: Got anything else in the news, Barnaby?
2: got to whiz through this really, really quickly. Um Andrew WK has announced a new album. And it hey! doesn't seem to be his usual material. So he's released a track already called Babylon, and uh yep. I'm I'm in heaven, which I haven't heard yet, to be brutally honest. And it's quite fucking dark actually. Like it's not mm-hmm. exactly the typical Andrew WK material that we're all used to, you know, like the happy, happy partying sort of um musician that we are all familiar and love and love
1: yeah it's true i mean uh it's it's like you say uh, andrew wk you you, immediately your mind goes to i get wet and the, the guy is just basically constantly that guy's always about positivity and partying and having a good time and and that's that's kind of what you associate him with but when he comes out with like you say a track like babylon it's really bizarre it's kind of it's like, whoa, what the fuck? I mean, I get it. I mean, it's pretty cool that he's kind of going to uh, new areas now, and he's he's kind of trying to expand his his sound. But
2: it, yeah, exactly, it doesn't
1: make it any less kind of confusing to hear because you 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 associate Andrew WK with with such a specific sound, you know, and and when you yeah, hear exactly when you hear him doing something different, it's like whoa, this is this is weird, but uh, I can see why he's doing it. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, well, we'll keep an eye on that because. Uh, I uh, I I I love Andrew WK. I think he's just such a. In many ways, he's kind of quite underrated as an art, as like a musician as well because he's fucking he kills on the piano and keyboard and he slays on the guitar and he's just such a energetic, fun guy. You know, I just think um, Andrew WK doesn't really get enough recognition. For, yeah, uh, aside from I Get Wet, he's sort of known for I Get Wet, and then that's Andrew WK, but he's. Yeah, he's yeah, great.
2: so much more than that. And as I said, his live shows I heard are absolutely off the chain. I've never had a chance to see him yet, um, but hopefully we will um, be able to see him once shows resume. That leads me on to the final part of this article. So the album is going to be released on September tenth via Napalm Records. Napalm's dropping, dropping some fucking sick bands this year. Yeah, and he's going on tour in America uh, through a series of dates through. Yeah, September is American tour, sadly, so we're not going to get any of that just yet, but I guess watch the space and wait for him to announce a UK tour.
1: Yeah, well, fingers crossed, man. I really hope that we do end up getting uh, getting something over here because, uh, like I say, he's fucking awesome. You a fan of Andrew WK, Christoph? Fuck yeah, I'm ready to party hard. Yeah, good, good. What about uh, anything else in the news, Barley?
2: Uh, not besides uh, Sabaton's new song being fucking amazing, but I'm alone now because I'm the only one here who likes Sabaton. Uh.
1: Yeah, I've not heard it, but to be honest, like Sabaton aren't really my bag. To be perfectly honest with you, you know, um, power metal in general, as people may know at this point, isn't my uh, isn't my go-to. Uh, I don't know whether or not you've checked it out, Christoph.
0: Nah, no. Uh, if yeah. if I'm gonna listen to power metal, it's gotta be yeah, kind of Unleash the Archers or like Odin, sort of spacey power metal, like I can't be fucked with tanks and history, like... Yeah, I'm the gosh,
2: complete opposite of me fucked. being a massive history dota, it appeals to me so much, but yeah,
0: Yeah. it's good I that we like have differing opinions but... on this podcast, this yeah. is
2: what makes us, us.
0: Yeah, mm. one of us has to have a wrong opinion,
2: right? Or the right opinion, depending uh, on the way you all, look at it. You know, all, all of us have got
1: to have the wrong opinion, but doesn't uh, necessarily a, make it any sense. There's no right or
2: wrong opinions, only when it comes to bands like A Day to Remember and Escape the Fed. And that's definitely a wrong opinion. We do not yeah. speak of those bands on this show positively. we yeah, right.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll keep fighting that cause. Very briefly, before we move on with the show, I also wanted to very, very quickly uh, bring something up as well. I mean, we don't necessarily... We're not TV junkies or we aren't necessarily the kind of people that watch soap operas if you like but i did just very very quickly <laughs> want to uh give a shout out coronation street <laughs> which yes! isn't metal yes which isn't, oh which, i'm glad
2: you brought this up
1: which isn't metal whatsoever in the slightest but it's uh they've done a really really cool thing which is obviously foundation uh known as it's called the sophie lancaster foundation so for anybody who's not uk based or isn't aware i mean if you're in the uk I'm, I'll, I'll be amazed if you're not aware of this whole thing but the, the the sophie lancaster foundation i i won't go into the um the details of it but essentially it, it's 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 a foundation about sort of stumping up prejudices and prejudiceness and uh, any kind of hate in regards to people that dress differently look different uh, anything of that nature really and um recently a uh quite a well-known soap opera in the uk known as coronation street it's quite it's got quite a big heritage whatever they decided to do a, a storyline based off of the sophie lancaster foundation which again references people's problems in regards to the way people dress and the way people look uh, particularly throwing around the word goth basically if, if you essentially dress in black and, and look different and and what have you and you know people a slot in this podcast. I, I wouldn't say that we all necessarily look like the, the traditional normal person. You know, we we all we all look unique and, and different, and it's yeah, just a real yeah, man. It's just a really really cool thing to see that quite mainstream popular shows are are kind of bringing that to the forefront and and bringing awareness to it, raising awareness, and essentially just making it a a taboo of being regardless of what you look like you're no different to your fellow human being you know so uh, yeah, yeah. i uh i sincerely give all my my props to coronation street for calling it out and and raising awareness and you can only think that that's only going to play further the cause and uh and basically make all these simple minded fucking morons aware of the fact that regardless of how you dress regardless of the music you listen to regardless of any of that shit we're all human beings living on the same planet and we can all coexist without hate and that's uh and that's all you can ask for
2: fucking amen man i completely agree i recommend anyone listening who doesn't uh know of the sophie lancaster foundation to go and check them out they're doing some fucking amazing work yeah
1: absolutely all
2: right well uh now that that's uh That's all out of
1: the way. I suppose we should probably crack on with a couple of reviews. So moving on to the very first album we're going to be talking about this week. It's a big one. So we're going to be talking about the Celtic punk rock legends. The Dropkick Murphys, with their brand new album, Turn Up That Dial, released last week. But like the ignorant, uncultured cunts we are, or myself at least, I had no idea that a new dropkick murphy's album was on the way so as i say this is the 10th record by the celtic punk legends so doing a bit of digging into the background of this record there was a interview that co-vocalist ken casey gave on the build-up to the album and just to give a very brief quote uh before we actually dig in deep on the album itself so ken casey explained the album as saying on this record the overall theme is the importance of music And the bands that have made us who we are we just hope the album takes people's minds off their troubles we're so fortunate and grateful to be in the position to share a little happiness on our way our gratitude levels are off the chart if there's a message to this album it's to put the fist put your fist up in the air and play it loud we've all done plenty of lamenting so the main goal was to keep this fun The darker times got, the harder we fought to uplift with music. So, based on that quote from Ken, (laughs) I'll go in first. So, as far as my musical tastes go, I think we more or less covered this when we reviewed The Rum Jacks a few months ago. So, this kind of stuff, I think, is essentially to me at least it's, it's essentially just like the perfect music to drink to the perfect perfect music to fight to the pers- perfect music to get fucked up to and also the perfect music to have fun to you know it, it it's just that whole celtic punk rock thing it's you know it, it's, as far as my knowledge goes there's only so much i can say about it until i kind of start to repeat myself but in terms of the the dropkick murphys themselves i know that out of the three of us christoph you're obviously quite a diehard when it comes to this band so i'll start off by asking you what sets this album aside from or is there anything sorry let me rephrase is there anything about this record that sets it aside from their previous material
0: i think like it's way more artistic like It's less riotous than their older stuff. Right. And I mean, you know, obviously you've got some more upbeat music. You've got some more punky, you had classic Dropkick Murphys. But you have something like Smash It Up, where it's basically a song of them being like, look, man, we're a bit too old Mm -hmm. to be smashing the state and shit. We'd love to, but we're not. You know, so they've There's had, a
1: bit more of like a maturity to it then.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. more like musical maturity as well. Instrumentally, they've got like this reoccurring accordion theme that's come up a lot more in it than older songs. They've bought more of their mandolin. Obviously, you've got stuff like Rose Tattoo and Shipping Out to Boston that were very heavy yeah. on the mandolin, but it was just for those standout intros. Whereas this instrumentally it's more intricate, it's just it's fucking gorgeous mm-hmm. but you still do have big smasher songs you know you've got fucking middle finger and stuff that's yeah going to get you pumping your fucking fist in there going to get you in the pit but then there's also more mature songs their cover of wish you were here is fucking stunning yeah and you know it's like 23 years of albar they're they're sober now for the most part like mm. it's a lot more mature than drinking getting shit faced but also it's an album that you can drink and get shit faced
1: yeah you know
0: yeah.
1: that's uh, cool it's kind of like they're they're approaching it from two different sides really it's sort of like yeah we're kind of these sober dudes now but yet our music still has the ability to to make people do that kind of stuff
0: yeah they're uh, not distancing themselves from their fan base you know they know how to yeah supply their fan base with what they want from what they expect from dropkick murphy's but also be like look man we're getting older i ain't gonna fucking be pissing in a fucking cup i'll leave that to you guys in your of smoking areas you know Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and barnaby uh, what about you
0: mate uh, so in terms of the dropkick murphy's because
1: <laughs> I, I mean again just going back to it i know that a lot of bands like the rum jacks and so on they all do this thing but from my knowledge anyway the dropkick murphys are essentially the kings of this so for you personally barnaby do you have much more of a kinship for the dropkick murphys than you do any other of these kind of bands
2: i'd say so yes i mean i think i'm largely in the same camp as Christoph. mostly i'm a diehard fan of this band yeah. and i have been for quite some time and I mean I'm gonna say this straight away, I found them because I'm shipping up to Boston was on the soundtrack for The Departed, which is my favorite movie of all time. So that's how I got into the band in the first place. And then yeah. checking out like The Warriors Code, The Meanest of Times, you no know, later stuff like going out in style. Um Going Out in Star. Yeah, fuck it. Going <laughs> out in style. Jesus yeah. speak to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like this album has got a little bit more of a throwback to some of that older material in some ways. Like when you get, um, when Tone Up, that dial comes on. It does sound like some of the stuff off the meanest of times, I'm not going to lie. But it is essentially like, yeah, it is an album you could get fucking pissed to. And it is an album you could just fucking crank with your mates at Pre-drinks before you go on your big night out. And just jam along to. And I think that's what I fucking love about it. Because it's something that they do so well. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely that reoccurring theme, which seems to come in for each album
1: yeah i mean you say that something that the band does so well i mean at this point it almost just it it almost just feels effortless when they do this kind of stuff you know like this band can just shit out these massive anthems like it's fuck all on every record at this point Uh, the opening songs turn up that dial lee e boy middle finger just absolutely massive. massive and I feel that those three openers, they basically they cement that quote that Ken Casey gave when it comes to putting your fist in the air and playing them as loud as you can. Because those three songs in particular, you know, like obviously it just feels natural to just play them as loud as you can. And it feels just so adrenaline filled when you when you when you do that, you know. It's 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 obviously very, very It's very close to, as I say, that quote that Ken gave in regards to making sure that the music was first and foremost and and also making sure that it was kind of keeping that very uplifting feeling and keeping the happiness going, you know. Yeah,
3: exactly.
1: the The band are kind of aware of the fact the last year and a half have been absolutely fucking terrible for everybody in the world, you know, and... And it's kind of they haven't let that influence their sound in any way. They've, they've kind of continued to do that very happy filled adrenaline pumping music that they've always done. And, um, and the fact that this record in many ways is, is a testament to that. The fact that it's called Turn Up That Dial specifically referencing the fact that this record should be played none other than to full volume. And to forget about what your problem was yeah, it's just uh, it's just another great, great dropkick Murphy's record. I feel you know, there's not there's not really anything more I can add other than repeating what I've I've said about this kind of music before. It's just the perfect music to to drink to, to fight to, to fucking have fun to. You know, it's it's hard to
3: fault. Yep, I
0: agree yep. to that. Amen. Uh, it, conti- it contains like what sets them apart from a lot of other bands like even flogging molly or rum Jacks, is their accessibility like their songs aren't simple but you fucking hear the chorus to that song if you've never heard the song before by the time the next chorus comes around you'll be screaming it because it's just yeah. that easily memorable
3: yeah
0: but they always make their songs always but they make their songs accessible so that if you're just at a festival and you're stood in the crowd going, oh, fuck, this band are a bit all right, mm. you know, you fucking finish your beer. By the time you finish your beer, you're screaming along with it, even if you just heard the song for the first time, Like, yeah. which is great, because it adds to that vibe, you know, like, they're fantastic. Yeah. And this is going to be such a fun live album as well.
2: Yeah, you're yeah. seeing them live, Christoph, aren't you? you yeah, dude,
0: I'm officially ticking something off of my fucking bucket list. And I'm going to be going and seeing Dropkick Murphys in goddamn Dublin. Fuck yeah. Going to go to the fucking Guinness factory tour of the Guinness factory followed by Dropkick Murphys. Like, and it's always been one of those things that it's like, you got to do it. You know, like they are the Kings, like you were saying with fucking with um, cannibal corpse. Like they're the Kings of thrash. These guys are the Kings of this genre. Yeah. And like, even though sure they're from Boston, Massachusetts, but like essentially it's like Celtic Irishy fucking punk. So you've yeah, got to yeah. see a band like this who live for that sound, like where essentially the root of their sound originated. Yeah. And that's Dublin, you know, Ireland. Mm. It's it's the fucking catalyst of all of this shit. Exactly, man. And to yeah, finally exactly. be able to do it, you know, it was more than your standard tickets, but you got to fucking bite the bullet it's something that you have yep. to experience and wherever in the world i've seen them the fan base is just insane and this is the thing with them is like the fan base it's like being in imagine like a family gathering full of complete strangers essentially like yeah everyone fucking loves each other everyone's in it together i mean the people we met in amsterdam we've traveled across europe all to just go to a gig together and that's all we're going to do in ireland yeah you know like where else are you gonna what other band base are you gonna find where someone's gonna go oh yeah let's just travel a fucking thousand miles to go to a gig together for a weekend yeah. and fuck off for a year it's,
1: like, re- it's really it's tes- rare.
0: yeah it's testament yeah. to the band like their following is just incredible yeah man
2: it's, it's,
1: it's really fucking cool the fact that a band can really kind of make everyone pull in the same direction just purely based off of their songs alone it's uh it's really fucking cool yeah the dropkick murphys their brand new record turn up that dial is out now you guys got anything else more to add to the dropkick murphys or are we quite all uh happy with uh, it huh. being just another classic album in a, in a classic band's discography
0: yeah i'm fucking cool with that yeah, yeah same here. all right
1: cool moving on then to the next record we're going to be talking about so uh <laughs> now let's not beat around the bush comes from a band that we have reviewed this year already. A little band called Weezer, who people may or may not remember. We talked about their previous album, OK Human. I believe it was only around about the end beginning of February time. So it's only been kind of a couple of months between that. But Weezer, they're, uh, they're they've given they've given us another treat if you like. They've given us a brand new record, the fifteenth album which is which is named Van Weezer, <laughs> so uh, there's a quite a few ways you can look at this really. Um, but I think based off of our last uh review on Weezer, they've certainly cemented their place into the category of of one of the worst albums of the year so far. I think okay, human, we we can all collectively agree that that really really was a fucking mess yes, really. yeah 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 i we can't go. remember
0: no question, question yes. out, but just disliked that much
1: yeah i mean it's kind of since the release of the record i mean it's been an inside joke among star group that it really is just like the absolute bottom of the barrel in regards to music so far this year and bear in mind we we've we have talked about some shit albums this year so far, like a day to remember and uh, escape the fate. And, you know, the, 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 the list goes, but there's quite a few, but um, okay. Human certainly was in that kettle of, a kettle of records really. That was, uh, that was definitely quite firmly abused by the RIP podcast. <laughs> so a mere three months later, we have the next installment so just to again get a bit of context in regards to van weezer so in a 2019 interview uh, rivers cuomo mentioned that an album tentatively uh, titled van weezer was in the works and it was it would take the band back to a more big guitar sound effectively And uh, he remarked that the band would perform Beverly Hills live in concert and he would perform a guitar solo that was not present on the recorded version of that song. And he would effectively notice that the crowd would go crazy when he would do that. Uh, So it felt maybe appropriate for the band to start introducing a more kind of shredding element into their music. And we we didn't get that on OK Human. I think it's safe to say, you know, uh, but yeah, yeah. So uh, Van Weezer is, you can't argue that it isn't doing that because it certainly is Weezer going back to a more guitar driven sound. Absolutely. Obviously, the tragic passing of uh, Eddie Van Halen seemed to have been an unfortunate coincidence because uh, this album was dedicated to him following the death. But obviously, the album title was being thrown around many months before Eddie Van Halen had passed away. So, uh, I feel like it was always going to be like a, a tongue in cheek tribute to Eddie Van Halen and in, in the whole kind of early eighties, late eighties kind of metal music style of sound that was being bounced around back then, you know, uh, obviously Eddie Van Halen was very much a, um, uh, an innovator of that whole sound in the eighties. So um, this album, effectively, again, was just kind of a very big tribute and like a, a kind of consummation of Weezer going back to that more guitar-driven sound. Interestingly, this album was written in the camp last year, but due to the pandemic, the album had to, had to be pushed back, and uh, I believe it was nearly pushed back by an entire year. The reasoning or the rationale was because... When this album would be released, then that would coincide with the much-anticipated Hella Tour, which is, as of right now, I believe is still going ahead. It's not been rescheduled for 2022. Technically, the, the dates are still in place for this year, but obviously we'll see what happens. So, I'll, uh, I'll bring it to you guys. What are we saying about Van Wieser? Uh Barnaby, I'll, I'll let you begin, mate.
2: Well, I'm going to start actually by not trashing it just yet because there is some actual quite good things about this album, which I wanted to get into before I get into the bad stuff. So it's obviously like the intention of honoring Van Halen is there and it's like, hey, they actually do quite a good job with this. Maybe a little bit too good because when you look at the album art, what you think, okay, that's definitely Van Halen. Like they could have made it, tried to make it a little bit more like their own, but that's just a... Right, that's down to my personal taste but the production and the guitar work was quite good and it's actually nice yeah. to hear that we like oh shit they've actually brought the guitars back they weren't fucking joking yeah. Yeah. yeah this is where the good stuff stops for me i still found that even though this was miles better than okay human i just still couldn't enjoy it. i still feel like the tracks were a little bit too cringeworthy the lyrics were just all over the place and i wanted to get onto a track called blue dream which classic the, song does that uh, remind you of? The Crazy Train.
1: <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Dude. I'm
2: not sure if it, what the intention so was angry. with that, but it's just like, you just basically, you didn't even try to make fuck the riff they're on. They just took Crazy Train, put it up to fucking, I think it was like c minor they were playing it in, instead of F-Sharp yeah. minor, which what the original was in. And it's just like, they're not even trying to fucking hide it. What the fuck is up with this?
1: Yeah.
2: As for an album that was actually a lot better than I expected it to be, still not to my liking, but... that's just down to me they throw all the good work away by just ripping off fucking Ozzy Osbourne like what the actual fuck is that
1: yeah it's it's a weird one I mean it it does depend on how you approach this really because on one hand you can kind of say well yeah I mean that's just a riff that's been written and done for you know the best part of like 30 years but at the same time, you could then say, oh, well, I mean, if this album is effectively like a tribute to that whole kind of uh, early 80s, late 80s kind of metal rock thing, then yeah, I mean, it, it fits weirdly, you know, in, like a, in a morbidly weird like puzzle. Like, yeah, well, it's Weezer doing yeah,
0: exactly. that many a time. But, um, it's the fact that it drops off, though, you know, it starts and you're like, oh, okay, you've got this fucking classic, iconic fucking riff. Mm-hmm. maybe they're gonna cover it and then it's like oh hey you know <laughs> what the fuck happened there you know it's like yeah take this crushing amazing fucking riff and then as soon as the vocals start it just drops into like okay human basically you know mm, like, exactly
1: oh you see
0: I, yeah I to be honest that was the only song on the album i actually skipped just because i was like yeah i can't it." Can't
1: see i i wasn't expecting big things from this um i mean people know at this point if they haven't picked it up on what we said so far i mean okay human really wasn't again our, our favorite record we've ever listened to so i <laughs> i mean weezer at this point they're as reliable as a shank made out of chocolate in a prison you know it, it's just they're not gonna do much at this point that's identifiable to the weezer of old you know Mm, because make no mistake i mean i i fucking i love records like pinkerton and i love the green and the blue album It, it nothing pains me more to shit on weezer knowing the fact that they've got such good records in their discography but when you do listen to a lot of their recent output it really is just it's so incredibly hard to not avoid shitting on them because you just know what this band have capable of you know what they've done in the past and when you hear the band doing what they do it's just so deflating and it's just so exactly uh, why are you doing that when you're just capable of doing greatness you know so going into this record myself i as i said i, I by no means was expecting big things. I, I didn't go into this thinking that, like, this was going to be fucking incredible or uh, or even terrible. I mean, I, I didn't really want to go into it either thinking that it was going to be fucking terrible based on our thoughts on OK Human. So I, I kind of... I tried to approach it in a very kind of level-headed, uh unbiased way. And I got to say, I really... I, I couldn't hate it because... There were quite a few reasons why, because just hearing Weezer playing guitars rather than playing Disney Pixar was just so nice to hear. It, there were glimpses specifically in the second half of this where there were glimpses of it being like, holy shit, this is like the Weezer of old. This is like how Weezer, when they do shit right, it sounds fucking amazing. There are there songs on this that really rekindle those feelings specifically the second half of the album um, it's got quite a few songs but weezer back in the day that they used to have like this perfect method of introducing or incorporating if you like these 50s style influence rock uh, yeah. into like a modern filter so for people who don't know all i can say is is listen to a song like buddy holly and you'll know what i mean just these very kind of it's a very very kind of uh, vintage structure of songwriting but when it's put through a modern day production just sounds fucking great and uh buddy holly is the perfect example of that really but there were quite a few songs that were really reminiscent of that there's a song called uh, one more hit which is it's fucking great it's just it encapsulates everything that weezer everything that was so good about weezer back in the day that song brings it back into the fold and, and just makes you think like Holy shit, Weezer are capable of doing that still. It's just they decide not to do it. The song One More Hit in itself has got like a very Metallica-esque guitar tone. It's very heavy driven. It's very kind of um like I say, you'll know what I mean when you hear it. It's just very metallic-esque and it's it's a really cool uh, it's a really cool thing to listen to, especially following okay human when you kind of lost all hope it was like oh great they 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 are still interested in making stuff that sounds like this you guys have obviously already mentioned blue dream which is effectively uh, a remix of crazy train that's got this very lackluster kind of uh, midsection to it it's just uh, may may fuck you two off but I, i didn't hate it I I, There there were parts of this album that I just really struggled to not enjoy because, again, it it was just the fact that it's Weezer with guitars again was kind of the fundamental thing I got from this. The fact that they still had an interest in doing that as opposed to, as I say, OK Human, which was barely any guitars and very kind of poppy Mm. and very kind of Disney Pixar-esque and...
2: Climbing yeah, yeah, mean, fucking fine. upstairs with
0: upstairs. Oh, yeah. I uh, I didn't I didn't hate it either. Like mm-hmm. the first couple of tracks, it takes a while to get going, and then your first taste of like that Van Halen-y sort of thing is just like, oh, here's some tapping, and you're like, Okay, well, that's yeah. just tapping, like yeah. you know. But it does yeah. it does get better, like
3: <laughs> definitely. I, I
0: felt like that Island in the Sun reference early yeah. on in one of their songs that was a bit cringe because it was like very much forced themselves to put that in there. Yeah. But you have songs that have like that fucking vintage hash pipe sort of sound. Yeah. And that's Weezer that I adore, like Buddy Holly, hash pipe, fucking keep fishing, even Save, Island Save, in the Sun, right. like where they yeah. can go from, you know, these nice little soft riffs to smack some distortion on it. It's great. Yeah. And and that song, one more hit. I fucking loved it tonally, but it kind of upset me that like even Rivers' vocals were so soft. Like there was none of his old hash pipe where he's just singing. It feels like all the way through, like he wasn't doing the vocals that you know he can do. It was that kind Mm. of quite soft esqueness. But I, you know, I enjoyed it. The fucking instrumental, instrumentally, it shines so bright. And to be fair, I feel like I was left with the impression that, like, it's better. They could revive their entire sound. But I'd like to see him just pull a fucking audio slave. You know, like the rest of the band be like, right, here's a singer. I mean, if Rivers were to go back to Hashpipe style vocals, Buddy Holly style vocals, I'd be fucking right there. Yeah. But it's probably not going to happen with a song like One More Hit. You kind of get that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. if A different singer would have made that album so much fucking better. Yeah. But I like, yeah, I think his voice was just too soft. Knowing that he can.
1: Knowing what they're capable of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Knowing what he can do vocally and the fact that he chose not to on certain parts kind of left me a bit disappointed. But it was a nice kind of return to form at the same time
1: well, this is the thing. I mean, to say that you're only disappointed is kind of quite a compliment based on the the review that we gave OK Human, you know, because
0: this is it. It's going to be part of my heartbreak with AFI. It's like, I know vocally you can do a lot better than you're going to choose to do. Yeah. Uh, It's the same with Rivers. Mm
1: -hmm. I got to say that the the album Closer, uh, Precious Metal Girl, which, uh, I mean, Christoph, you've obviously said that... the album does have its very kind of cheesy points to it arguably precious metal girl has got to be the cheesiest point of the record for me
0: but yeah uh,
1: it's like it's just it's it's like a it's a really somber acoustic song about having a heavy metal girlfriend i uh i really like it (laughs) i really fucking (laughs) like it
0: it's just such a it's such a guilty pleasure
1: Yeah, man. i, I got to say it, it has to be a guilty pleasure because everything, every fiber of my body just says, you really shouldn't enjoy this. Why are you listening to this? Like, this is, this is, this isn't good. But the guitar is just so somber and so, like, uh, delicate. And there's something about that song that I just keep listening to. I really like it. You know, it's just so um, really cheesy, really cringy, but. I think it it, it just being a song with with rivers, with an acoustic guitar, just talking about having an acoustic, just talking about having a heavy metal girl. I don't know why. It's just something about it that just, it's so like, uh, I think out of all the songs on the record, that's the one that I draw to the most, weirdly, just because it's only like less than two minutes long. And it's just such a somber, it's got a nice vibe to it yeah man like it just it just chills me out and i i just like the concept of just having like this i mean back in the 80s when it came to heavy metal and women obviously women women back then were treated like objects when it came to heavy metal you know you look at a fucking uh you look at a Manowar album cover Right. Yeah. You look at at a Manowar album cover and you've got like these Viking dudes that have got like these blonde, big breasted Breasted. women that are like bowing at their feet and stuff like this. Women back then were really kind of treated more as like being objects as opposed to human beings. And the whole like the whole concept of Rivers Cuomo having like Rivers Cuomo being like this very skinny, nerdy looking guy with big, huge milk bottle glasses yeah having one of them is like ha- as being a girlfriend and writing an acoustic song about having one of them as, as your girlfriend it just puts a smile on my face it's like a, it's like having just like a really nerdy guy having like a really hot girlfriend and um yeah it just just the whole thing about it just made me maybe smile and made me appreciate that song you know so uh yeah yeah it's um make no mistake i mean the overall feel that i get from this record is it's kind of like weezer playing dress up it's like do you know the end of that some 41 video where it's like pain for pleasure
2: oh yeah that was like yeah
1: it's like a very tongue-in-cheek like fucking spoofy kind of like jib to heavy metal back in the 80s that's the overall feel i get from this album but as i say occasionally from time to time you get these very cool nice glimpses of the Weezer of old where you where you kind of forget the fact that well no I mean yeah the band are doing that but at the same time they're fucking amazing at doing those really cool kind of like 50s style based rock songs from Modern Filter and you can't deny songs like Buddy Holly and Say It Ain't So and all sorts like Songs from Pinkerton and the Blue and Green album—they're just fucking, they're great. And uh, I just, I just hope that that the band don't forget that because based on albums like Okay Human, it seems like they have. And uh, aren't they
0: also supposed to be doing like a Weezer-inspired Weezer album? What was was
2: your biggest biggest inspiration?
0: Ourselves. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Talk about This is a Weezer inspired Weezer album. Okay. You wank yourself off anymore if you fucking tried. (laughs) But then after like after hearing this, if they did a Weezer inspired Weezer album, that could compete for like the top spot of the year, you know? Like exactly seeing Weezer take like worst album most middle of the road but most middle of the road album and best album like could you imagine like taking bronze silver and gold in like eight years rankings
1: nothing would fill my heart with more joy at the end of the year on this podcast to say the worst album and the best album this year goes to weezer how (laughs) incredible like they basically trolled Fucking everyone! That'll be incredible.
2: And
0: like, that's pretty much what they've been doing for
2: years. Yeah, yeah. He a fucking yeah, Jesus would, with
0: promo. As I much mean, as he is a yeah. self-absorbing asshole, yeah. it would probably break a lot of people. If you haven't broken during this pandemic, you're going to break at the point when you realise that Weezer released the best and worst album. Mate. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I'm going to say it right here. If it's Weezer end up Twilight man. Zone, if Weezer end up let's say god forbid like they actually do a third record this year and it ends up being like you say like a tribute to weezer <laughs> by weezer and let's say that's the fucking best weezer album in the world if if weezer end up having the worst and the best album of this year they will be my favorite band in the world that's all i'm gonna say It's just because like the fact that they've trolled that many people, us included, if they end up doing that, that'd be fucking amazing. But,
0: uh, Mate, if, they, if they manage that, I'll eat Barney's hat.
1: And his dick. Yeah.
0: Well, you can eat that. That's <laughs> I fucking I didn't, say, I didn't like, say I'd, I'd eat anything of it. That's Jack Whitehall's job, that is.
1: Well, that's very true. You know, uh, he's going sure to have when... to
0: wait until the fucking
2: 12th when I come back to take down his stupidly fucking big video wall. Oh,
1: uh, when he looks. Oh, up...
2: video, video wall. Yeah. Oh, I should have taken a picture of it, man. It's fucking massive. It's got like a fucking curve and it goes all the way up to the fucking ceiling of the O2 arena. I it's bet like... he does.
1: Yeah, but when you look up, he looks up at that sweaty torso with that aborted t-shirt on, he thinks to himself, I've always been gay. I've just kind of... <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, anyway, that's Weezer. Van Weezer, which is out now. Go listen to it if you enjoy the Weezer Evolve, because I really enjoyed it, being somebody who's a fan of the old Weezer.
2: Yeah. Well, I didn't hate it, I just didn't like it. Still found an OK Human, though, which is a plus. So they're moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, exactly. OK, so uh, moving on to the last album that we're going to be checking out on the show this week. So this comes from a band called Crown Magnetar, uh, a deathcore slash death metal band bursting onto the scene. I'd say back in 2016, bands soon started to make waves with an EP named The Prophet of Disgust. Back in 2017, that in turn gave them opportunities to open for bands such as Thy Art Is Murder, Whitechapel, Carnifex, across multiple multiple tours around the US. Today we are talking about their debut record, The Codex of Flesh. Barno, you seemed very keen, so tell us,
2: what's great about this album? Technical, pig squeals, riffs, absolute filth. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> they're like the characteristics <laughs> that break the uh the break the album down christoph i mean first impressions what did you uh what did you get from them
0: i mean as soon as i heard like there was the album title someone was like oh yeah it's called codex of flesh i was like hang on what yep mm-hmm. sorry you've got my attention and then yeah i mean it just starts with brutality
3: yeah
0: and it doesn't fucking let up you know yeah it doesn't go soft I mean, sure, it's kind of like it's just like Coriness, you know. Like, yeah, like it sounds like Brand of Sacrifice if you stripped out all of the bits that make them stand out, like that anime esque sound. Yeah, but yeah, it's just yeah, a savage.
1: Exactly. I mean, I-, I think that, like a lot of these deathcore bands, ultimately. It shows promise, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Does it really do anything different to 90% of Death Call? Uh, For me, with my ears, personally, I don't think it does. It's, it's fucking good at it, don't get me wrong. Uh, I mean, clearly, the members of this band and, and the musicianship and the songs themselves, it's nothing more than pure fucking deaf cunt, skull-crushing, metal you know i mean there's no other way around it they're incredibly proficient at doing that but unless you're gonna attack me in a different way or bring something different like a concept i mean christoph you obviously mentioned brand of sacrifice that introduced the whole concept and the story behind their songs uh didn't you say there's like an anime show based off of the songs? yeah well
0: but they're based they're based off of um berserk like their whole storyline and even even the name brand of sacrifice is based off of berserk yeah
1: Yeah, man exactly so in many ways they're bringing a a very visual element into their sound i mean barnaby so being the one that was quite i mean you you specifically said that your mind was blown (laughs) by the band I mean, in what way? Was it just purely based off of the fact that they were so crushing, or was there anything in particular that stood out for you when you heard it?
2: It is mainly that, yeah. I mean, it's just the fact that it's just straight in-your-face death metal done on extended range instruments, and it's got a wide variety of the death metal vocal techniques, not just like gut but it's like pig squeals, highs, the fry screams, and all that stuff. Yeah. It's mainly the technicality which blew me away. The absolute fucking sheer genius of the the guitar work and the drum work and how like fast and complex and aggressive it is. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of um Archspire in a way, which is like a band which is also quite well known in this technical deathcore genre, so to speak. Yeah. So it's just I think it's just a sheer volume of technicality uh, that blew me away. And also like the lyrical content as well. Like even though it is typical deathcore stuff, it still fucking slaps. Like they can fuck you can fucking feed the shit to me all day and I'll still fucking love it.
1: Yeah. See, The thing is uh, I mean as I say this band in particular so the initial EP that they had made it gave them the opportunity to play across America and and they opened for bands such as Carnifex and Thy Art is Murder and and Whitechapel. For me that there's a there's a reason fundamentally why those bands are as big as they are it's because each of those bands whitechapel more so than the is murder or carnifex they've been able to take that traditional heavy deathcore sound and put their own stamp on it you know they've been able to do something that's completely their own thing as opposed to 90 percent of the bands that are doing this thing in that said genre and uh as i say it's kind of with all of these things i mean no doubt in a few weeks we're going to once again be describing the exact same scenario for a similar band an, another deathcore based band that technically they're just as proficient as any of those other bands that are really high up but from a creative standpoint They're not necessarily doing anything different or anything that's uh, that sets them apart from anybody else that's doing this kind of music. You know, It's, it's sort of it's one of those genres where as much as I love it, it's so saturated with bands that do this kill crush thing. And that seems to be the only thing that they consider when they're making this kind of music, when realistically, you can incorporate so much. You can incorporate a story. You can incorporate a concept. You can incorporate electronics. You can incorporate multiple things, but hmm. they just seem to be they, they seem to be stuck at this point of being. Let's make it as heavy and as crushing and as as devastating as we can, without realizing the fact that there's like eighty percent, ninety percent of bands in this genre that are doing that exact same thing.
2: And yeah, I can see that argument.
1: There, there's nothing to separate it from that you know it's just you listen to a band like this you can listen to countless bands that do the exact same thing and uh I obviously i don't want this to come across like we're shitting on them or we're doing this album a dis- disservice because make no mistake if you're looking for something that's just absolute kill crush then this is this is a great album for it you know
2: you, you yeah can't just, i fucking dog every song yeah
1: you can't discourage the fact that it's just as heavy and, and devastating as as any death call you want out there and um the reality is unless you're gonna be unique or you're gonna bring something different to the table you're kind of always going to be considered as one of these bands that opens for somebody who can do much something much more with it like a white chapel or that is murder or a carnifex you know
0: yeah yeah exactly That's where i fall short with thrash and admittedly, yeah. listening to this it was the same like i think there are some of those genres where unless you do think outside the box and to be honest you'll probably find like bands like to go back to brand of sacrifice Probably yeah. get a lot of abuse because it's like, oh well, they've got this fucking stupid anime sounds. So like, well, yeah, that's how you make yourself sound different. Apart from that, there isn't too much range in it. Yep. You know. But then there is also like that song System- Systematic Systemic Pestilence. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Which just seems like the first thirty seconds is like intro. And then the rest of the song is like, here's a fucking selection of brutal breakdowns with like Mm. a solo to break it up like they're savage and blistering but it's the same as that band last week, Evil Yeah, right, like, it's fucking intense but then you get to a point where you're like oh shit yeah I'm not actually listening to some music, you know I kind of like zone out from it
1: it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. something that's yeah, been done so mean. many times before uh, the
0: drum it... works fucking gnarly though Yeah, like, their drummer is an animal amongst fucking animals
1: yeah man and this is the problem because you really don't want to, you don't want to diminish the musicianship because they're clearly very talented at what they're doing. That they're, they're clearly incredible at the, 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 the instruments they're playing. But the, the issue being is the fact that they're immediately setting themselves up to be put in a box. Whereas creativity, like in terms of creativity, you want to, you want to kind of, at least from for my mind at least you you don't want to be categorized as being somebody who just does that you want to be known as somebody who does so much more you want to be like well where the fuck did that come from it's why i I cherish a band like code orange just to take outside of deathcore for a minute a band like code orange who traditionally started off as being like a hardcore band and doing like the the things that hardcore bands do. They could step outside themselves and they could say, well, hold on, we could be this one dimensional thing and we could, we could do this style of music and as well as we can do it, we're capable of so much more than that. We want to start reaching to audiences that listen to Nine Inch Nails. We want to start listening to, or bringing elements of, of, you know, electronics like Fear Factory do in in, uh, in their sound, you know. And if you start to re- like extend those arms and bring out all of these different elements of different genres of music, ultimately, you're going to start to create something that's different to anything else out there. You know, the more reach that you have in terms of your musical influence, the more of a unique sound you're going to have. And it's only natural that you're going to have that, you know, which is why Code Orange sound like nobody you can think of, because there's there's nobody else that that has that kind of mindset of, of essentially being like an octopus, like drawing in as many influences as you can and then creating something that ultimately sounds like nothing you've heard before. And if half the bands in Deathcore did something like that, then you know it wouldn't be as 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 saturated as the genre is right now because you can point to me personally i can point to at least like 30 bands that do this exact same thing that um the uh, crown Magneta are doing and not to discourage how good it is but again it is just it's nothing different it's it's the same Standard sound that you would get with this style of music, and um, you know, the only thing I can hope for at this point is a band like this that are capable of doing so much more is that they will hopefully take a leaf out of Code Orange's book and essentially start to reach out to different styles of music, reach out to different elements, and hopefully incorporate that into their sound and ultimately come out with something that sounds completely different to m- the majority of bands in this genre. And that's that's more more or less all I can say about this. Uh, I mean, have you guys got much more, uh, more to add? Mm, so,
0: sort of? no, I think I've said everything I needed to no? say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as a first album, it's fucking insane, you mm. know? But yeah, go away, yeah. carve out a niche, you know, the same with Tetrarch. Started as a fucking cover band, Mm -hmm. weren't comfortable, went to being a metalcore band, weren't fucking comfortable, then decided, you know what, fuck it, we're going to do what we please, and just ripped everything up, Mm -hmm. chucked it into a fucking blender, and made Tetraak. You know, you just got to hope that these guys would go, okay, cool, well, that was good, and it was a comfy ground, but, dude, fuck comfort. Like, comfort's great, but, like, comfort's not how you stand out, you know?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, amen, uh, man.
0: Completely. And agree. if you've got that much technical skill, no doubt you, in like Deathcore, no doubt you've got that much technical skill in enough different fucking genres that you can create your own subgenre.
1: I point, I mean, granted, the, the band have backtracked quite a bit, but even if you point to quite a high profile band within Deathcore, such as Suicide Silence, you go to Suicide Silence and you look at a record like The Black Crown. And they really incorporated like a very new metal esque element to their sound. There were bits that sounded like Corn, there were bits that sounded like Slipknot, and they could bring all of that together in like a deathcore ribbon that just sounded so uniquely them and so different to most of the bands in that genre. And and look at how successful Suicide Silence got off the back of that record. It's just a shame that they didn't have the balls to pursue that. And really, a band like Crown Magneta, they've got just as much talent as Suicide Silence, and if they can incorporate those different elements into their noise, there's no reason why they can't be as big as Suicide Silence, if not more. So, um, yeah, a band to keep an eye on, most definitely. Uh, Once again, that is Crown Magneta, with their debut record, The Codex of Flesh. If you're looking for something that's just pure brutality, then this is something for you. But ultimately, uh, a band to keep an eye on if you want to have something that's, um, you know, on the horizon that they could potentially build upon. Cool. All right. Well, in that case, that does bring us to the end of the reviews for the show this week, which leaves us with only one more segment left of the show, which is our our section, which we call Symphonies of Destruction, which is effectively the part of the show where we... off about a fucking incredible record that deserves recognition uh, this week is no exception because it actually celebrates the anniversary of quite a classic album so people that might not know we're going to be talking about just a very little band called Pantera with their uh, their eighth studio record the great seven trend kill which was released 25 years ago this week so I don't think we need to kind of give a bit of a a background on Pantera, considering the fact that I think it's quite well known at this point that they're one of the greatest metal bands to ever exist, essentially. I mean, we're talking, when we talk about classic metal bands, Pantera have got to be up there with your Metallicas and your Judas Priest's and, you know, any kind of vintage heavy metal band you can think of. Pantera are going to be on that kind of ra- Mount Rushmore, if you want. Now, boys, why is the Great Seven Trendkill Kill the best Pantera record?
2: Oh, boy, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I think it's just mainly down to, I mean, I'm going to say it's personal preference when you have songs like Drag the Waters, "Warner," the title track. Um, go straight to the end and then you've got tracks like um... Undergrounded Americans, Sandblasted Skin. It just seems that it was just. I never thought I'd use the word diverse with um, how to describe this album, but I just felt like they just tried a little bit more when it came to like recording techniques and guitar tuning. So just experimenting a little bit when it came to uh, this album as opposed to their um, earlier material from the night is like Cowboys from Hell, um, Far Beyond Driven. And yeah. this is, again, as I said, this is mainly dance personal preference. A lot of my favorite tracks are on this album. If you had tracks like such as "Warner," "Living Through Me," "Hell's Wrath," which is one of my favorite Pantera songs of all time, it just clicks. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the other Pantera albums in the '90s don't click. I fucking love them all, especially "Far Beyond Driven" and as um, I think of Yeah, "Vulgar Display of Power." They're all fucking amazing albums, but this one just seems to click the most for me. It's the angriest, it's the gnarliest, it's got the most emotion on it.
1: Yeah, and
2: it's just been one that have i've always come back to and that's why i fucking love it
1: you see i you say personal preference but me i think there's a specific reason why this record stands out amongst the rest of the pantera back catalog before i give my rationale for that i mean christoph are you much of a pantera fan
0: dude i fucking love pantera
1: yeah this is the thing like i should mention listeners that I mean, I love Christoph, but I, I wasn't ever sure if you were quite a, as big a fan as Pantera or if you understood the Pantera legacy as much as... I mean, I know Barney, he, he, you know, he's he's quite familiar with the, the history of metal in, in terms of the importance of Pantera, but I wasn't ever sure if Pantera were a band that you understood or you could vibe with much, but you, you do love them then,
0: yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were one of those bands who, like... I always loved as a kid because they just, they weren't pigeonholed as anything. Like, you can have, like, a song as mainstream as it is, like, Cemetery Gates," where it starts off just, like, so soft. They're not yeah. afraid. They weren't afraid to do Thrush. They weren't afraid to do Groove. They weren't afraid to do whatever the fuck they want. And, like, yeah. obviously, you know, when you're a kid, I didn't know about Pantera, but I knew who... Dimebag was because everyone was on about him. So when you find out that he's from this band called Pantera, you listen to them, you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, yeah. like Slayer do fucking thrash. This band do this. This band do this fucking, you know, like mm-hmm. Nirvana do grunge. And Pantera, it's just like they, they're they one of those first kind of bands. So it's like, we can do whatever the fuck we want, you know? Yeah. Same as early Machine Head, And like, yeah, it's just that perfect. It starts off, you've got this blistering thrash, then you've got these crazy solos, then you've got this fucking weird, like country sort of thing. You know, they've never been afraid of their roots.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. They've never been afraid to fucking experiment. Yeah. Do whatever the fuck they want. And I know that Dime was taken too soon, but they also never, it sounds like a bad, like it's like a bittersweet thing. Like they never got the opportunity to get shit. It's, it's, you know? It seems like... That they, yeah, I uh, what you mean, actually, to be honest. They've, I mean, never, like band... they've
1: never not seemed relevant.
0: Yeah. The... Yeah. And I never understand. You get these people who, like... These means like, oh, yeah, people who like Pantera are like this. You're like, no, Pantera are fucking dope. They're flawless. Like,
3: mm.
0: for a few bands, if you don't like Slipknot, that's fair enough. If you don't like this, band But Pantera, how can you not like this band? You know, like... Yeah. yeah. How... Exactly. You know, like, there there are very few bands out there that, like, even Alco Anteria, my favourite band in the world, I can understand why some people wouldn't like them.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Pantera, I like, do, but they're so good.
3: Yeah. You
1: know? I it's kind powerful. of feel we're, in many ways, we're, as a podcast, us free, are approaching Pantera from the perspective of somebody that only discovered them in the wake of them breaking up and then the wake of Dimebag passing away and mm,
2: yeah exactly. you know
1: unfortunately we never had the privilege of having seen them live or or growing up with them whilst they were a thing you know it it was always like being music fans and, and growing to love metal you were always aware that Pantera one of the staples in the genre but sadly due to tragedies it, it was just one of those things where they were a band that were always kind of praised as being the ultimate metal band but unfortunately it was always bittersweet because at that point when i discovered them dime had gone and and
2: yeah same th- as well. th- th-
1: there was no such thing as pantera at that point it was all about how yeah and down and and pantera were just kind of this anom- anomaly that were always going to be like the the ultimate metal band that could never come back unfortunately and um you know it, it that's the only way i can describe it is is their discography is so bittersweet because when you consider metal and all the elements and the feelings that it gives you pantera deliver that to you and they deliver it to you in a way that is just it puts it puts such a full stop in regards to the feelings that metal gives you, the adrenaline rush it gives you, the freedom it gives you, the the, the, you know what I mean? when you listen to metal, when metal's done... cathartic feeling. Cathartic, yeah. When you're having a bad day, when you're you're just feeling fucked off, when when you're just hating the world, there's nothing better to listen to than metal. These people that are so bottled up and so frustrated and they have a bad day and they come back home from a very bad day and their idea of a release is putting on Ed Sheeran, you know? And to me, like...
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get my fucking head around that. Oh, Like, God. this is what I mean, you
1: know? Like, realistically, when we consider, out from out- and from an outside perspective, these people that have bad days, and we're all human, we all have bad days, we all get fucked off, we all hate human beings at a certain period in time, the idea of going back home Having an alcoholic beverage and just laying back and unwinding and having that cathartic experience, metal is the ultimate
2: outlet for that for me personally. Oh, it, absolutely. And I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that as well.
3: Yeah.
1: And it just doesn't make sense for me to to put on something as happy and as, you know, as, as gushy as like an Ed Sheeran or a, whoever you want to fucking name, you know, it just it just doesn't fill me with any kind of satisfaction it's just it's just metal is the only kind of genre of music give you that sense of i can relate with this person i yes yeah. this, uh, this person it knows what i'm feeling this person knows how i feel and when you put on pantera and you listen to Phil sauno and his screams his lyrics his dime bags and riffs it's just that there's nothing that can, that can really you can relate to
2: more. Yeah, everything like, about this album is perfect. Yeah, and
1: long story short, the reason why
2: I approach this as being
1: the ultimate Pantera record and the best Pantera record is because you need to consider the fact that the turmoil that was within the band at this point in their career. This being their eighth studio record and the band having classics prior to this, Cowboys from How Far Beyond Driven. The fact that you had effectively a heroin addict, a guy that couldn't stand the members of the band. He couldn't be in the same room with the band. This record in particular, Phil Ansauno had to record his parts of the record in a different fucking state. He couldn't be in the same room as Vinny or, or Dime or, or Rex that in many ways it's like a one-off thing because that's why the album sounds so fucking angry that's why the riffs so, sound so devastating that's why the bass just fucking thumps through this record is because it's the sound of a band that just have so much hate. like there's so much built up frustration amongst the members and it comes across like none no other record when you hear it you know it's just there's nothing... When, when you put on metal and you listen to Pantera in particular in this record and you know the backstory, you just know that this is coming from none other place than a sheer resentment for the members in the band at that time.
0: And, uh fucked by sound.
1: Yeah, man. It's like you hear Rex playing that bass and he is literally clenching his fist and fucking pounding the bass purely because he is so frustrated at the the politics within the band and that's what sets this record apart when it comes to the back catalogue of Pantera because not to disregard any of their previous work but this album really is something different because it's so gnarly and it's so aggressive and it's so fucking angry when you compare this album compared to all their other albums it's just so gnarly you know what i mean it's just so fucking angry when you look at the backstory of it and you you consider the fact that the band at this point were effectively on their way at this point to breaking up it's amazing that we had got another record after this album, to be honest, uh, Reinventing the Steel, which is a fucking awesome album as well. Oh, yeah. But this album was essentially just like the precursor to the breakup, I feel, because there was so much anger. There was so much angst. There was so much turmoil in the band. And um, that all being said, you've got songs on this album. I mean, Barnaby, You've Said It, Drag the Waters, Thirteenth Step, 13 steps
2: 30 steps to nowhere yeah
1: yeah it's just you've got these fucking incredible bangers on this album you've also got these incredible journeys like suicide note part one and two which are just such a fucking trip it's such a trip you know you've essentially just got like this heroin addict describing his disdain for the music industry and 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 the music, music as a whole, and and all the politics that are involved in it, and you know, I, I, for me personally, I, I don't think the build and the breakdown in Suicide Note Part Two, it's quite possibly the best piece of audio that's ever been recorded. The, the physical reaction that those two minutes give me in the breakdown of Suicide Note Part Two, it's like I'm a Mortal Kombat character in zero gravity
0: obviously
1: like i there's regardless of you can name the biggest fucking bands that do these deathcore breakdowns it's never going to come close to the breakdown in suicide note part two because you've you've just got phil ansauno who's essentially just retching his fucking guts up and you've just got the band who are so fucked off doing this breakdown that is just so devastating do you know the one i mean where it's just uh it, it yeah just, yeah
2: where, i know where, exactly where, I mean, what i mean
1: it's just i'm getting goosebumps man it's just there's never been a such a pissed off breakdown than that and there hasn't ever been since and it what it, it's what made this band stand out so much it, they, they connected with that inner caveman you could just it didn't matter how fucking gnarly music you could get. Something that tapped into those inner caveman instincts and made you just throw your fists and and just be an angry man. That was the song for it. Suicide Note Part 2. And, um, you know, they revisit certain riffs mm-hmm. of that song with sandblasted skin where they go back to that refrain. And, um, yeah, man, like... I think that that's effectively what makes this record by Pantera their best record is because you've got those elements of, you've got those bangers like drag the waters and 13 steps to nowhere, but you've also got these elements, these complete journeys of suicide note. And you've also got floods, which for all intents and purposes is Dimebag's swan song.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Out, Out of Dimebag, who's, you know, he's obviously an incredible guitar player and he's got such a legacy. Floods is, for my money, the ultimate Dimebag in terms of his audio output, that's the ultimate. And,
2: and Yeah, exactly.
1: you got to consider the fact that he's got countless fucking bangers. He's got fucking the riff from Domination and he's got so many classic Dimebag moments and the fact that... You know, eight albums in, and he's defined his entire guitar career with that solo and floods. It's 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 incredible,
2: man. I mean, do
1: you guys have any further add to add to to um, the great seven trend, Franco or are you just in agreement that he is? I basic? think
2: I think I've released all the spunk I can about this album. No, yeah,
0: and I think as a band, they're just fucking flawless.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, just they're... it's so bittersweet. It's so
1: bittersweet knowing that. Dime and Vinny aren't here anymore, and, and Phil turned out to be a big racist, and yeah, it, it all ended so messy. And the fact that this band were essentially they encompassed everything that was great about metal, and it's that's it, a full stop's been done. We're never going to hear of any more Pantera, we're never going to get any kind of reconciliation from this, you know, it's so bittersweet, and they've got a
0: backhaul. Yeah, what's, what's that mean? We're also never going to witness, like, shit Pantera. Yeah. You know, I can go into any band I love and pull out fucking shit records, you know, like, here, there, and everywhere. At least any band that I love has a couple of shit tunes. Like, Pantera, you like, what's the worst Pantera tune? Well, there isn't one. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know? It's
0: flawless. when did they go soft? Well, they fucking didn't. Yeah, it's
1: fucking flawless. You know? And, um yeah man so bittersweet it's one of those bands for me personally on a personal note i mean i you know when you find it frustrating that all of your favorite bands no longer exist
2: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah, typo
1: negative aren't here anymore pantera aren't here anymore not no, I mean,
2: here anymore
1: yeah man it's so <laughs> annoying all the great music that you fucking love and you would
2: and yeah a band like a day to remember still here yeah it's so fucking and
0: richards is still fucking about
2: like yeah yeah ed sheeran's still selling out arenas taylor's yeah. still, still writing songs wow. about her fucking 95th ex-boyfriend
1: yeah, yeah. do they know what real music is because clearly from my just from my experience all the great bands and all the fucking the music i still listen to religiously now I would say 80% of the music that I listen to now are by bands that just don't exist anymore, you know? And, and that's, uh, that's not to discredit all of the really cool up and coming bands that we talk about, but it's a fact, you know, I, 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 there's just no bands that I, I listen to Nirvana, I listen to Type O Negative, I listen to Pantera. I, and they're just sadly, they're bands that do music now. And, um,
2: yeah, yeah, you know, it right
1: says, so. it, says a, it says a lot about, their back catalogue and it says a lot about the bands themselves and yeah it's just uh, it's just a sad thing but um i suppose the the benefit is is that those bands won't ever effectively grow old those bands are forever be cemented and being youthful and cemented and being the ultimate bands you know like they'll never age because they'll always constantly have those classic albums behind them just finishing up hypothetically let's say dime and vinnie were still around and let's say that phil didn't end up being a huge racist would you guys would you guys say that pantera these days would we would we be seeing them as being the big download headliners or would you say that they would still be quite a minimalist heavy metal
2: Mm. yeah it's difficult to say to be honest i don't have to actually never think about that that's got me thinking because like,
0: I think they'd still be small because like I personally could never imagine like Pantera with smoke machines on fire, like yeah, Benigni, Pantera, like dude, we're so fucking good that like we're gonna play our instruments on a fucking stage. We don't need lights, we don't need smoke, we don't need water, we don't need a fucking confetti cannon. We just need you to fucking pit out, recognize that we're raw as fuck. Like you know, i just I don't think that they have all the bells and whistles and but sometimes you don't even need that to be yeah, a headliner
1: um, um I mean like, for me had say Pantera had you know obviously that the, they had that period where Phil had gone and done down and and um they formed damage plan, which was um Dimebag and Vinny's kind of solo. Yeah,
2: it wasn't of, that bad damage plan. They had some fucking bangers.
1: Uh, I quite enjoyed damage plan,
2: but let's say
1: that had it had just been left at that and there was no kind of animosity and there was no dramas that followed that, say in 10 years' time, had Pantera have said, okay, we're coming back, I could see them being download headliners. Uh, th- th- there was a, There's a YouTube video... Where damage plan had played download two thousand and four it was four I was about to say fourteen then fuck me <laughs>
3: um
1: damage plan played download two thousand and four, and at the end of their set they played walk, and the reaction from the crowd was like they were watching Slipknot play Duality in two thousand and nine when they first headlined you know it was it was essentially it was just a and firm, it was fucking people losing their shit yeah in you know and and i honestly i could not see pantera coming back without being that band that could headline download or headline an audience that big because that's just how powerful their their back catalog was you know i mean doesn't matter you could choose a set list throughout their back catalog and it's nothing more than being played to at least an audience of 100,000 people in a festival field going fucking nuts. So for me, I think that they, had they have come back hypothetically, they would have been nothing more than, than headlining to an audience like Download Size, you know? Yeah. Even now, it's still being rumoured that, well, what if you do like a one-off show with Zach Wilde doing the dying bits and Phil coming back? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that would, would be the size of a download headline slot but it would certainly be enough to fill quite a massive venue you know like an alexandra palace or like a maybe even o2 arena you know fuck me i mean (laughs) it's um yeah it's an interesting one but Mm. regardless it's it's still bittersweet because we're talking about a band that have effectively got a perfect back catalogue you know there's not one duff pantera song record that i can think of um yeah but uh suppose that we we've obviously got their back catalogue forever cement cement their uh, their legacy and remember the fact that they were always going to be and will always be the ultimate groove metal band so you, uh man. amen yeah happy uh happy anniversary to the great the great seven tranquil which is 25 years old it doesn't feel that way so uh yeah unless anybody's got anybody else anything else to say about the uh, the great Seven Trenko that signifies the end of the show this week. so uh, we sincerely appreciate you guys listening as always and uh, as I said earlier on, if you wish for us to check out any records or any highlights or anything of that nature, just chuck us a message on our socials instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whichever takes you fancy, and we shall listen we shall have a look so uh we shall catch you guys next week. But until then, have a very, very good good week. And we shall catch you later.
3: So, uh, bye bye for now, everybody. Goodbye for now. Bye-bye for now. Bye,